aficionado. No, like that's my favorite part about this podcast is all the all the breakfast food conversation. <laughs> Brett gets all the scrambled eggs for breakfast because you can't screw those up. You know, I miss the days of the diner. I, I do, you know. <laughs> it was fantastic meals that we used to eat over at the diner. Those scones. While we were planning episodes instead of showing up after work with no show notes and just being <laughs> sad and hungry. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the oddly chipper for having worked an extra hour and a half this morning, Kristen Pennington. Yeah. My uh, will to live has slowly drained, so uh, yeah. this is just all false enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> and just like right off the start so that we don't, you know, get in trouble with the six people in Bangladesh that are listening to this right now. Um, we're going to be talking Joker for a little bit today. So there might be some spoilers. I don't know. I'm pretty excited to talk about some stuff. So uh, just to get that out of the way. But that we picked a very odd time to watch that film, considering we're both in an emotional spiral to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I felt weirdly reinvigorated. But before we get... I, I related to that character far too much. I was like, you get him, dude. You shoot that motherfucker. <laughs> um, before we get into that, though, probably a couple mm-hmm. of minor announcements for our company. Yeah, I just wanted that right off the top. But go for it. Um, it's not necessarily officially set in stone. Um, Brett and I are considering dropping the homework assignments as far as the videos go at least to mm-hmm. a bi-monthly thing instead of an every month thing. Speaking of downward spirals. <laughs> um, Kristen I is coming to pieces. <laughs> come to realize it's just a little too much right now while we're both um, you know, working full time and doing the podcast and everything. So at the very least, we're going to skip February so I can catch back up and kind of pick up in March. We're going to mm-hmm. kind of tentatively see how it goes and maybe start doing the films as a bi-monthly thing yeah. um, so that you would have two months to work on the video and that might honestly be easier for beginners who mm-hmm. you know are still trying to figure out what they're doing so because i fucked up and the very first script that i handed her was a 15 minute short film instead of and like I a two minute short film hit a wall on it that i wasn't expecting to hit i thought i was <laughs> my hair kept growing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now brett is officially a mountain man um yeah i felt hyper motivated and like felt like it was like flowing way better than I thought it was going to um, for a minute there and then I kind of hit a creative block and I was like fuck yeah so um, yeah we might be doing these bi-monthly <laughs> instead <laughs> but we're still up for the uh, we're in the middle of the silent film which I guess we're gonna start recording this weekend uh, <laughs> and hopefully that one will be out relatively soon because there's not as much yeah that, that one's goes into a that one. little less involved and ironically um, the homework challenge for December involved staying in one location. Yeah. And I'm starting to wonder, like, I thought that would make the film easier, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's why I'm having a hard time with it. Well, you mentioned that, because the whole thing does take place in our pretty small one-bedroom apartment, and um, there's a lot of moving from the table to the kitchen as the story develops. Yeah, it basically just goes back and forth between two yeah. rooms. Does it work story-wise, or is it just because the shot becomes repetitive and we don't have enough space Yeah, the to story is the fine for me, which is part of, I guess, what I wanted to talk about with the Joker movie today. Um, so I guess we can sort of just go ahead and dive into that. No, we, we, um, we'll talk about... Well, this is our podcast. Nobody's <laughs> cracking the whip. We will get to the well, Joker talk. Uh, the, I don't want to 
which we'll, I guess, talk about the Joker itself, but I don't want to talk too heavily about the movie because I feel like for me anyway, because it is such a cinematically pretty film. That's gorgeous. um, It gave me a lot of pause thinking Mm -hmm. about the December film because the December film um, that we did that I have not finished yet um, (laughs) (laughs) is the first film that I've tried to really like incorporate color and stuff in. Yeah. The Joker is much more subtle in its use, but it's still very clearly there throughout mm-hmm. the entire film. Like, it's a the, very heavily stylized film. Yeah. Well, there was one shot in particular where it happened, and I was like, you could have done that. Like, that is a <laughs> shot that I can see Kristen doing. Like, Kristen is at the level for this one particular... It's not a complicated shot, you know? Um, but he sits down to read the letter or whatever he's reading. Mm-hmm. And the way that that sit-down was shot was eerily similar to the sit-down shot we have in the film that you're already working on and i've never been prouder of you (laughs) i was like you nailed the sit-down shot it's like they stole that idea from you um but well the the movie itself gave me a lot of pause because i feel like i've been feeling a little creatively stuck like we shot Mm -hmm. a chunk of our short and um like, I went to, like, go to look at them to edit them, and was, like, kind of caught off guard by how much I actually liked them. Because yeah. I was just like, oh, this is just, like, a, a little experiment. We'll see how it goes. And I was like, man, I really like those. Like, <laughs> they turn out really cool. And then we went back to shoot additional scenes, and I felt like I had just, like, face-planted into a brick wall. It was yeah. like, every shot is unattractive. Like, every shot is uninteresting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Like, I can't refine you that. Didn't, you didn't feel... Quirky, strong, and unfiltered. <laughs> like your beer? <laughs> like the beer face plant by Ben Montana. I forgot that, that was called face plant. That was not intentional, but that would have been an awesome plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Fucking, I am knocking at the doors of potential sponsors that I keep getting pissed on in my face. I want you, Baird. <sighs> you feel better now? Yeah. You face planted into a creative wall? Yeah, and I just like... Not quirky, strong, and dark way? No, 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 just an embarrassing, (laughs) what am I doing wrong way? Yeah. And a soul-crushing, I'm going to cry about this tomorrow way. Um. That's why we didn't have a podcast for you guys on Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) Mistakes for me. Um, Damage control. (laughs) No, I just, I, like, I felt like I couldn't figure out what was bothering me about it, and, um... It wasn't just I, the lighting didn't look the way I wanted the lighting to look, so that was yeah. part of it. And the section of the apartment we were trying to shoot in felt personally restrictive for me. And then we watched the Joker movie, and it kind of, I don't know, it reminded me that I think on that second day I was trying to think of it too analytically, like make sure we get the coverage, we get all the shots you're supposed to get, yeah. like the textbook, like how are you supposed to do this to make a movie? Very academic without all the art. Yeah, yeah. and then we watched the Joker movie, and not to say that the Joker movie doesn't have a lot of um, film theory uh, applications in it. It's <laughs> We're doing a deep dive, maybe even like a two-part deep dive on this movie. I want to watch it again, maybe this weekend, <laughs> with my notebook. And then probably a third time with another notebook. And we're going to put together a big episode or a big series of episodes um, talking about how fucking incredible that was from a director's standpoint, from a DP standpoint, from a writer's standpoint. It just blew my fucking mind. It is a very brilliantly done movie. Sorry, cut you off. No, you're fine. Um, I mean, this is a mutual discussion. I know, but I'm trying (laughs) to pull you out of your slump. 
I'm not in a slump. No, I'm being, like, I, I feel reinvigorated today. And, like, I um, kind of took some pause at work today yeah. to kind of think about it. And um, I think the when we watched the Joker movie, mm-hmm. it was kind of late at night. And we both were, we were just like, oh, we'll just give this a go. You know, I don't think we were really expecting to like it as much as we did. And I expected it, to like it. I did not expect it to quickly become probably my favorite movie that's been made in my lifetime outside <laughs> of No Country. No, <laughs> no country. <laughs> no country is like up against it for the number one slot. I'm not it. The Joker. Mm-hmm. It's a different movie. It's a. I enjoyed that one as well, but it's I think top, top ten Joker. as far as cinematography for me for sure. Like all time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know who just got knocked out at the top ten, but that one fucking <laughs> slid right up into at least the top three. But we were watching it, and it's such a... I mean, like I said, there's a lot of, like, textbook stuff they teach you mm-hmm. in film school in it, so I'm not saying by any means they just kind of threw all that to the wind, but there's a lot of stuff in there where it was, like, almost like a dance. Like, it's a very artfully done film. So much, yeah. And I was, like, kind of taking pause to think about it today, and I was like, you know, I feel like whenever we went back to shoot the second time, and that was Jax <laughs> running into the mic, mm-hmm. um, I was feeling... I guess like creatively uninspired and just kind of like, let's get the shot and like, how do we move this along and like get the coverage that we need so that this all makes sense on film Mm -hmm. versus like, how do I evoke the artistic emotion that I want to evoke? So, um, I don't know. It kind of had me thinking today about whenever you're sacrificing the art for the science of whatever you're doing, yeah. you know? And I, I mean, I think that applies to writing and everything. Mm-hmm. you know, the whole show don't tell. And yeah, you were if talking you want to about... write a really, really, really bad story, follow all the rules. <laughs> yeah, and you were talking <laughs> about your scene in um, your script, you know, where you don't need to show the guy, like, running through the park and all this stuff, yeah. you know? So there's just, like, all this fat that you kind of have to cut out, and that's kind of how... I guess, like, I was thinking about the shots that we had done mm. the other day. I was like, I, I was literally every step of the way, like, bends over, picks this up, raises up, here's this thing, okay, we're yeah. moving over here now. And I was like, you don't need all of that, like, if you can get to the intensity mm-hmm. of the moment. And um, there's, like, a scene in the Joker, which I guess I won't really spoil it um, right now, but he's in a, the back of an ambulance for whatever reason. And it's very harsh jump yeah. cuts in between... During a panic state. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's all just the back of the ambulance, him talking to, you know, one of the paramedics, and it's these really harsh jump cuts, and it gives you that sense of panic. And mm-hmm. it was just like, if you just watched that on a screen without the music and without the editing, you'd be like, God, that looks like shit, yeah. you know? So you put this together. Yeah, and then you add all the other elements, and it's like, oh, this is a mood. Yeah. Like, it worked, and I was feeling panicked, and Brett and I were both like the whole time, like, I feel like I'm on the verge of a panic attack. Yeah. There's so much of it where I was like, I might have an anxiety. I think I looked at you at one point and I said, This movie is going to make me come. Like, <laughs> 15 minutes in, I was like, I am so in love with this, I might spontaneously ejaculate into my sweatpants. But it did. It had me thinking about because, like, I feel like I've been feeling stuck because we are. Stuck in one location, I initially thought when I proposed the idea, like, oh, that'll make it easier. Yeah. You just contain it all in one space, bang, 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 get it done. And for me, I was just like, all of my shots kind of look the same now. Yeah, very and, limited. Yeah, and I was like, I don't like this. And, like, I don't know, after watching The Joker and kind of thinking about it today, I, like, was completely in my mind, like, restructuring the shots that we haven't done yet. And I was like, you don't have to show all that. Like, yeah. I could literally cut that section out and then shoot this and then shoot that and then we're good to go and we move on like you don't have to show the room and where we're at and every step <laughs> of the way so 
it was kind of a nice reminder of you don't have to follow all the steps to get yeah. the mood and the artistic like impression that you want. Just to prove my point that we are on a continual mind meld, especially <laughs> when it comes to the show. Um, <clears throat> I was actually thinking today a lot about the recent things that have inspired me personally um, to keep going. And it was a dumb list that I came up with. But the Polinic book, consider this. Finished it. Fucking fantastic. If you're a writer, buy the book. If you're just a fan of Polinix, you're only going to like enjoy three chapters. <laughs> Because those are the postcards, and the postcard stories are hilarious. But the majority of the book is a writer's workshop. So if you're writing, go buy that fucking book. Uh, the second one, Eminem dropped a new album, 2020. <laughs> and anytime, anytime any Eminem album drops, uh, something good happens that year. So like I feel you know super pumped. Um, and then I started today, Cormac McCarthy's Border Crossing, and I fucking love Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> So I feel like it's a trifecta and, and, of inspiration and Joker. You know, I feel these heavy modes of inspiration from each one of these things. Some of them are things that I've loved for years that are just new releases. Some things hit me way out of the park. I don't like superhero movies. I liked the Heath Ledger Joker, uh, Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises, whatever one that one was. Mm -hmm. um, and that might be the only superhero movie I've ever enjoyed. <laughs> So the, this trans transgress is it transgresses transition Tran no transcendence Tran I don't know what word you want sexuals um, <laughs> <laughs> this trans something or another yeah it's like, not transgression because that's a bad thing I've lost whatever point I was <laughs> transcends that's the one I wanted it might be the one I said up front I've lost the point I was in the middle of go ahead no all of these inspirations. All these recent inspirations. Yeah, they come from like all over the place, I guess. Some are, you know, the old ones that I've always been able to rely on. And then there's like the Joker, where the, the, I could see things in the writing of that that I I was sometimes so distracted by how elaborate the story was mm -hmm. that I'd lost the beauty of the film. And then I would kind of come out of that and then I would be stuck just watching, you know, the subway scene or when he's dancing on the stairwell and like lost in this music video dance and I would forget about the story and then it would just grab you by the fucking throat. And when that movie grabs you, and it grabs you early by the fucking throat, it holds you underwater for the rest of the film. It never lets you up. But I've just been surrounded by these incredible inspirational things. Yeah, I do like... I didn't have a place I was going with it. <laughs> I didn't have a fucking thesis to hit you up with you. How dare you. Um, not be more prepared after work. I know. <laughs> I, Get off I, your 10-hour shift and then go chase your dream, Brett Bloom. <laughs> I do like that, especially in the dance scenes, though. It is very much like you're in the character's head. Like, yeah. they like beautifully pulled off like this kind of spiraling descent mm -hmm. into madness that kind of feels like you're also... like spinning out of control yeah. a little bit so yeah beautifully one of my favorite moments in this film is the stand-up moment mm -hmm. and i think it's a really good example of what you're talking about with mood where it doesn't really make sense unless all the elements come together he gets up he bombs on stage while he's trying to like get into his set and then he starts dancing on stage and the jokes kind of fade out and you hear the audience laugh and you don't know if that's all in his head or if he's actually crushing the room and you can't hear what he's saying to the room full of yeah. people until it all just becomes music. Yeah. 
Like, I think there's, there's more a bunch than of, one yeah. instance of that in the there's movie. There's a bunch of scenes like that, but like the way it falls from real-world perspective to this unreliable narrator, which is not a thing you see often in film, and then pulls you back into the real world, you're guessing the entire film, where the fuck am I right now? Yeah, or the, whenever he sits down to watch the... Uh... The TV show, show host yeah. with his mom, and then he's in the audience, and yeah. then he like gets invited up on the stage. And you I'm don't like, know I don't if know. it's a flashback yeah. or if it's in his imagination, or if he's really there. Yeah. Like you have no idea what's going on, and it's a dizzying in a brilliant way film. Like it, it's, it, but it's new, like it's so creative, and that I've I've seen some of the tricks. My, if I have like one complaint right off the bat, it's. They kind of just remade the taxi driver, but they made the taxi driver a hundred times better. You know, I liked that they picked De Niro to play the guy that he was obsessed with because De Niro played taxi driver. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Taxi Driver. You reference that one a lot. I need to watch that yeah. one. Well, you you know the lines from it. Mm-hmm. It's like you talking to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't. Maybe I've seen it once a long time ago. I don't yeah. remember it. So I need it's, to. It, that one? My dad hated it. I loved it and watched it like five times in a weekend when I first saw it when I was a teenager. And then I don't think I've ever watched it again because yeah. it, it leaves you feeling kind of empty. But there's yeah. a lot of homage to Taxi Driver in the film that I, I've been thinking about today. Like hit the whole suicide thing to the head. Yeah. That's what De Niro's character does at the end of Taxi Driver after he's killed the pimp. No. Oh, spoiler alert. That I came out in fucking 76. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. You just spoiled it for me. 1976. 1976. You just spoiled it for me after I just said I was going to watch it. been around twice as long What's as I've been around. What is wrong with you? No, we were literally watching the Joker together last night. This conversation like, no, has absolutely no, no through line. No, we were, okay, now speaking of spoiler alerts, that we were watching the Joker last night, and I literally was like, oh, this is definitely what's about to happen. He goes, well, don't spoil it. I was like, I haven't seen it either. I was like, I'm guessing. Don't fucking rob me of this moment. <laughs> that cracked me up there. You were like, don't spoil it. I was like, we're watching it together at the exact same time. This is just a theory. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking captivating. Goddamn beautiful. I do feel, like I said, though, like creatively reinvigorated by it. Um, it's I can't... reinvigorated. I said reinvigorated. You say reinvigorated. You've, 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 you've you know done what? it three times. I'm going to throw my wine on like, you. Maybe she's early slurry. <coughs> I have a cold. She's added wise. I'm being hateful. <laughs> I'll bottle you with your unopened bottle of beer, so you're going to lose the beer and get what bottled. What are you going to do? Hit me in the face plant. Bam, Montana Ale. <laughs> um, so you made me lose my train of thought now. Why are you hateful? <laughs> Go for it. You feel, re- you feel reinvigorated. <laughs> That's the de- definitely the title of the episode. Reinvigorated. I'm going to beat you later. No, don't. Canceling you. You're not a speech therapist, you're a director. You've been canceled. No more Brett Bloom. This is just the Kristen Pennington hour now. KP in the morning. That sounds like a radio host. That's what I was shooting for, so glad it paid off. (laughs) But anyway, you meanie. Um, I've been assaulted. Yeah, I totally lost my train of thought, thanks. You've been reinvigorated. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) You're an ass. Um, Creatively. Looking at uh, film more as an art form instead of an academic struggle. or Yeah. Is that where you were going? Or that. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I, I mean, we haven't started, we haven't started the silent film yet. 
We, we needed a mental health month and a half. <laughs> we haven't started the silent film yet, so I don't, um, I don't know quite yet where that one's gonna go. But yeah, there was a, the um, December one is kind of, I guess similar. Like, yeah. is it really happening? Is it in your head? Um, For just the sake of the audio, this was written. Before I'd oh, seen yeah. the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stealing any major plot points. No, we've already got at least half of yeah. it shot. Um, and I've got... And it's not about the Joker. So I just wanted to clarify. No, no, but I meant... I meant no. From this... Okay, cool. <laughs> Being self-conscious. No, yeah. I meant... <laughs> you all right? Are you going to yeah. live? Quit interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you didn't steal it. We've been talking about it for like a couple of weeks now. <laughs> um... No, but it is a similar concept. Like, I wanted to just kind of play with color and, like, how that would change the mood and stuff. And um, it is kind of a, a film where it's like, is this real? Is this not yeah. real? Like, what's going on? And um, I think I, like I said, kind of lost sight to some extent of how you can, like, evoke that kind of a mood. And it was just like, oh, we've got to get this scene shot. Like, how do we get this scene shot? And, um... Yeah, like there's a lot of different tools you can use, you know, whether it's with our silent film, mm-hmm. you know, the sound design or the color or the way that the shots are structured, you know, that can kind of still push and pull your audience yeah. in the direction that you want them to be in without having to be like, oh, and then he sat down and then he stood up and then he walked over here. Mm-hmm. So might be snip snipping some of the script yeah because you're not just wanting to show the action you're wanting to show the motivation behind the action and also kind of the character's mental state which um again is why the joker kind of had me thinking about it because there's a lot of play with color in the film and like the perspective of the shots like a lot of really shallow depth of field Mm -hmm. um throughout a huge chunk of the movie where everything else seems kind of blurry and out of focus like his world is hazy like it's their way of portraying him as the other yeah, yeah. and um yeah still like gave me a lot of pause because it was like fuck like how did i lose sight of my original intention and how do i get back there of why know? we do it in the first place yeah yeah it's a I looked up the director um, while I was at work, and I can't for the life of me remember anything else that he's done besides this. Well, this, this... isn't our deep dive episode, no, I so know. it's okay. No, I know, but I can't for the life of me remember anything else that he's done except for this one thing, and this one thing cracked me up because they're so far from each other. He did the hangover. He did hangover? Yeah. I was like, they're <laughs> nothing like each other, but the, the cinematographer... Now I want to go back and re- oh, I've got the hangover. We could definitely do that tonight. What, what, are, yeah. the, what are the artistic similarities between Joker and the hangover? Yeah, the cinematographer that shot uh, Joker shot yeah. the hangover. I was like, what? If what? It, what if it was the prequel? Shit had they left on the roof, you know, fried his skull when he was up there Came in that the Vegas summer, slowly turned into... Was it uh, Alfred or... Ar- Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. Yeah, we thought it was Alfred for, like, the first whole half of the movie. <laughs> that would have made me sad if they had done that. That would have made no sense. I'm glad we were wrong. It would have made me happier than fuck if the end result was that he went to therapy, got fixed, and became the butler. Oh, no. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they electroshocked him into being Alfred would have been, like... Because they fucked with the dynamics. No, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off <laughs> as we go down idea. rabbit holes. No, you're good. I mean, that was kind of like my, my big thought. Um, but it did 
like I said, kind of have me in my own head thinking about getting away from the science of your work, whether yeah. it's writing or filmmaking or whatever, and focusing more on the art and the mood that you're trying to evoke and um, sometimes not following the instructions mm-hmm. and um, kind of going with your gut is the best way to do it. And Well, that's what they tell you about writing all the time is you need to know all the rules and you should know all the rules and you should write for a while following all the rules so you know what rules to break. Or else you're just making a mistake, right? There's a reason why when I list things, I I can go and 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 without commas or proper listing, you know, just as an example. But I do that to create tension. Um, My personal favorite, I use a shitload of fragmented sentences, often one-word sentences, you know, to try to create this beat, this music underneath it, that if I took it to you know, my high school freshman teacher person would have got me backhanded. But you need to know all of the rules so that you know when you can bend some over here to create a little bit of tension or, like, loosen it up. Or all of your writing or all of your filmmaking becomes just an academic process Mm -hmm. where you're just basically making a Dasani commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Sit over there and drink water. Okay, and I'm going to film that guy drink water. We can't get emotionally attached. We only got 30 seconds to get this shit done. (laughs) I I agree. I can write a term paper for college, but when I tried to write it my way, uh, it wound up, I got it in my file. Covered in red ink. Covered in red ink. You use far too many semicolons. Fair point. (laughs) Hated my use of the dash. I disagree. But... (laughs) He was like, you can't write like this. You're supposed to be writing an academic paper. I was like, I can't make it interesting or readable. Like, who the fuck are you? But he didn't like that. And uh, you shouldn't like that either. (laughs) Go ahead. Write all those 15 word after 15 word after 15 word sentences. I'm sure your audience will fall asleep. (laughs) It did. Or I do agree. Cormac McCarthy doesn't use quotation marks. Okay. He doesn't use basic punctuation. I don't know that I could deal with that. That would bug me because it makes it a little confusing on who's actually talking. But it makes it more like a film because you don't realize how often you pause at those punctuation marks. Like inside of your own brain. So when you're reading them, it's just your eyes scanning the page. Like you you almost fall into a flow. He's brilliant. I've already offered to suck his dick on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cormac McCarthy, if you're listening. Cormac, I'll blow the dust right off that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do agree, though, that it helps to know the rules for sure because uh, I think you can kind of disregard or pick and choose the ones you want to follow to your advantage because, like, for instance, with the scene in The Joker when he's, like, reading the letter or whatever, like, you Mm -hmm. get that initial... um, It's shooting from a lower angle looking up at him and you can't even see what he's reading and he looks so large and usually like those lower angle shots are meant to make the person look powerful and then he just kind of shifts into the sitting down as the camera comes Mm -hmm. up and he just kind of visibly shrinks on camera just by that opposite motion and then you see what the letter is and it's like you can change the entire mood of your film by adding some shadows or adding some color you know how about the confidence that he has in the room when he has his shirt on versus how skinny he is makes him look like he is himself in a cage 
you know, by his ribs that are just, like, protruding the entire shot. Yeah, like, he was scary skinny in that movie if that wasn't CGI. If he actually lost that weight, that was creepy. Yeah. It's like, is it the mechanic or whatever is the one where uh, the guy Christian who played... Christian Bale, yeah. Christian Bale, like, damn yeah. near died. Yeah, because he lost a bunch of weight. Which they do some of that um, digitally, I know, whenever uh, Well, he was did. living on, I think it was like an apple and a can of tuna a day. Yeah, his was crazy, <laughs> and that's just terrible for your body. I can't imagine his health like, issues. If he would have kept it up two more weeks, he would have died. <laughs> his body would have gone into shock. He and was know, in Holocaust shape. I know when they did uh, Captain America and made Chris Evans look I super skinny. Said, what? I thought you said Captain Underpants, and I was like, they Captain, had Captain Underpants, buddy. Captain Underpants, no, okay. Captain America. Captain, two completely different genres. <laughs> Isn't there a Captain Underpants cartoon? Am I imagining that? It's a book series. I don't yeah, know. I think they made a cartoon of it. I don't know how we keep going from the Joker to Captain Underpants. But... <laughs> Captain America, when they did um, Chris Evans' like super scrawny yeah. scenes, they did all that digitally, so I'm curious to know if... Uh, all of that was Joaquin actually being that small, which I don't know. He did that scene where he was like breathing and you could see the under yeah. side of his ribcage. So I would believe he was he probably... at the very least severely dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably a little more than that. He was just creepy skinny. His head looked so disproportionately large. But matched his shoes. His Again, brilliance. His head was big. His shoes were big. The rest of him was small. Like I think he's a taller dude. His feet are probably just that big. Yeah. Oh, and they had like clown shoes on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) What a fucking brilliant movie. Yeah, we're gonna end up having to do a deep dive in this. Oh, I'm I'm watching it. I'm watching it again this weekend. You can join me. You cannot join me, but I will see that movie again, like (laughs) on Saturday night. You can go sit in the bedroom if you don't want to watch I got, this. I, I got half the heart to make a pizza and just sit there in the same pasta coma we were in last night. Just <laughs> fucking god damn it. What a brilliant film. <laughs> but no, I feel reinvigorated. I'm gonna... You're an asshole. <laughs> Kidding off this episode. I'm done with you. You can sit here and finish the show by your lonesome. See if that doesn't devolve into a panic attack. <laughs> just doing it right now. You're, you're here. <laughs> uh, but I, and it does, which we've talked about that on previous episodes before. I feel like kind of proved the point, though. If you hit a roadblock in your work, sometimes just consuming yeah. outside work can kind of re-inspire you in your own work. And um, It's that old Polemic quote that I'm going to butcher, but he's basically like writer's block is constipation go consume you know and i i do feel like i personally have not been like watching enough work or reading enough work or anything and maybe that's part of where i'm kind of like feeling like a little lost recently you don't feel inspired by murdered music to be murdered by the m&m you know i'm not as into rap music as you are (laughs) Are you uh, the me? songs are interesting. Yeah, the Las Vegas <laughs> shooter song. If that's not a instant political classic, but you don't want to listen to the darkness. Don't listen to the darkness. I listened to it with you. <laughs> I'm probably just not gonna play it on my own. <laughs> but I'll yeah, play that song on my way to church. <laughs> that is not. That, I've realized how threatening that was because Dylan <laughs> Roof was kind of an asshole. <laughs> is kind of an asshole. One black man with a gun, cops shoot him. One white man shoots a whole bunch of black people with a gun, the cops don't shoot him. 
America. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> well, I just realized I shouldn't be listening to a song about a mass shooter on my way to a church. Like, that in itself is more fucked up than anything <laughs> that I just said to, to clarify. I don't. I don't believe in God. <laughs> I believe that we're all God. We're all just living oh in this world. Oh, my right? God, Brad. <sighs> you were saying... No, you don't uh, listen to rap music? Yeah, no, I was saying... I, I feel like, personally, I've not been watching enough work or reading enough work or anything Good like work, that yeah. to... Well, in general, honestly, really much of anything. Like, we spend all of our time pretty much either working on our day jobs or working on, like, our actual creative stuff. So we don't, unfortunately, have, like, a lot of, like, just playtime. And Brett and I kind of squeeze in a movie here or there. That's why we are only just now watching The Joker, (laughs) even though it's been out for a minute. Or Still haven't seen the last Halloween movie, which is my favorite (laughs) fucking franchise. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe that was part of why I was feeling a little uninspired, too. And then we watched that, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, got, got some things to think about. It's still there. You just got to remember that it's still there. That Like, you got into it for the art. Like, you didn't get into it to get stressed out. It's not designed for you to be stressed out about it. That's not it's like writing with me, you know? Like, I... If I get behind the computer and I'm worried about every word that's going to come out, then I'm never going to tell like the story that I want to tell, which is what I got out of Polinick. Um, and consider this. Go buy that book. <laughs> um, yeah, you got into it because it made you feel good. You didn't get into it to stress about not getting the perfect, you know, this all needs to be lined up, center, shot. There's scenes in The Joker where the focus is far left, like, the whole center of the screen is the rest of the shot, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, you're watching to the left of the screen. or They drive the bus from right to left. Well, this is my new fascination. That <laughs> <laughs> brought it up. Like Nobody times. else knows that conversation yeah. except you and I, though. I don't think we've <laughs> talked about that on the podcast. I want to write a film where all the motion goes from right to left because all the motion in current film goes from left to right, which is like flipping a page. And flipping a page would be right to left, but reading is yeah, left to right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, so I want to do a film where all the motion moves in the opposite direction. And I just don't know how to do that yet. But, <laughs> but um, shoot, I was going to say something and now it's left me. Were you reinvigorated? I, you're being such a jerk tonight. What is your deal? What is your deal? Because it makes you smile when I say that <laughs> word. And it makes me smile to think about that word. No, don't go, because I can't remember what my thought was. You've distracted me, and now I can't remember what my thought was. <laughs> oh, this is what happens when you have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then you do a podcast. No, you seem like so full of energy when we hit play. <laughs> you kept distracting me. This is your fault. I had wine. <laughs> had a quarter of a glass of wine. It's not enough. Um, chew, what was I going to say? Now it's gone. About how it becomes an art again? No. It's left me. About how you were viewing it? No. <laughs> it's just gone. Oh, God. Yeah. We need to at least, like, write three things down. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck listens to this? That's the biggest question. Who is still here? Uh, you and me. It's just us talking to It's just us talking to each other and downloading our own shit and not getting any further in this business. That's <laughs> <what we're doing. laughs> 
Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Like in a cape that says that. Just walk around like a superhero. We, we, we could, that, that's the next move. T-shirts. I thought you wanted a hoodie. I do. No, that, I, I've been wanting a hoodie since like two winters ago. Yeah. We should. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you guys what it was, but I had a really cute idea for doing uh, uh, a new podcast cover for us that was like a, a sketch, mm-hmm. you know, by a, a illustrator. And uh, we should get that on the hoodie because it, it was a cute idea. But I'm not going to tell you guys what it is because you guys well, will steal my idea. It's just like I'm walking around the casino in my I'm with stupid t-shirt. No, what? <laughs> no, it was, a cute, it was a cute idea. And Jax was in it and I was in it and you were in it. And dog oh, food that, was... That idea, yeah. I thought you meant our, our podcast logo no. sketched out. And I was like, no. you want me to walk around in a hoodie that has us drinking on the front of it. No. I already cartoon. get looked at like I'm an alcoholic mm-hmm. by the gas station attendant. I don't. <laughs> no, the little cartoon extra idea that I wanted to do because Jax will Yeah, no, I, I'm Jack's all for that. It. We could do that. We merch that. Got little hoodies. Fuck yeah. Oh, I gotta talk to somebody about that. If you're an illustrator out there in the world, I have I have a job for you. Hit me up. We gotta hit up our. We gotta hit up our resident uh, illustrator first and see if she'll take the job. But. Mm. Yeah, but it's a cute, cute yeah. little cartoon idea of me and Brett and Jax, who is forever the sideshow of the, <laughs> the <Sure>. podcast. <laughs> Anxiously pacing around the pot, pacing, pacing <laughs> around the podcast table because I am falling to pieces on air live. <laughs> I don't know why we were having such a great conversation. I made fun of one word and that climbed into the back of your brain so hard. <laughs> I got, rest, I got know, up at 5 a.m. Yeah, you like control my tongue. Don't say anything. Mm. I got up at 5 a.m. It was a long day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only got one other topic that comes to mind because we've crashed and burned the other one. We were, we were on such a roll that no, it was like a. It's like well, we, I don't know where the fuck we were, but it was like a deer jumped into the highway and fucking came right through the windshield. Just, Shot the whole situation with shit for next to no reason. We're gonna stop recording on Wednesdays. Well. We're <laughs> yeah. just gonna have to double down and do both shows like on the weekend. Yeah, like after I get <laughs> off work on Saturday and then do one Sunday night. Uh, or even maybe Monday. At least one of us needs to have been <laughs> off all day for the podcast. To control to the situation. <laughs> yeah, because my next topic's gonna be super vague. Um, I was I've been reading this article. I read it, you know, half of it one day and half of it the second day because I something came up and I couldn't get you know the article finished but I think it was in Missouri Missouri I'm half English okay my vowels don't make sense Missouri is that is it Missouri 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 and Missouri um but there's this uh, bill that they're trying to pass. I, I I'm, I'm sorry if it's not Missouri. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking you know defaming your state or city or whatever the fuck Missouri is. Don't at me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a state or a city. I'm not gonna lie. Tennessee public schools. I could not tell you where that is. I don't know if it's in Boston. I. <laughs> state it's closer to tennessee <laughs> no shit yeah it's back on the that's mississippi 
No, but we drove through Missouri on the we way We drove here. through yeah, a for sure. state that I didn't know yeah, was a state. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to... Don't pull it up. No, I'm going to um, pull it up. But whatever state this was, they're trying to pass a bill because there's been complaints. Uh, you'll have to look it up kind of based on the vague details, but... <laughs> God damn it, what? We stayed in Kansas City the first night that that's, we stopped, and that's in I thought that was, I thought that was in Kansas. <laughs> Who the fuck put Kansas City? The first night that we stopped on the drive here was in Missouri. <laughs> Who in the fuck put Kansas City oh in Missouri? That's yeah, we bullshit. drove literally all the way across that state. <laughs> <laughs> I spent hours in that bitch. You didn't like Kansas City anyway. <laughs> no, I fucking hated it. But anyway... anyway. Um, well, now, now I have justification. <laughs> Fuck those people. Fuck you if you live there. Burn Kansas City to the ground and shoot that guy that was selling meth outside of our hotel room. But, <laughs> but they, they're passing this bill, or they're trying to get this bill passed that would create a government entity um, for schools in the state that would set up parental controls for the kind of books that kids can get out of the library. At the school. And the punishment is, well, at the schools, at the library, at the bookstore, like all across the way, where you'd give them like a parental advisory sticker, more or less, like you do with albums, um, for content inside of the books. Oh. And the fine to the librarians which is, I think, the main focus is the public libraries because they're government-run. Um, the fine for the librarians is like fucking $500 or a year in jail wow. for giving a book to a kid who Harry does Potter not have... Harry Potter probably would have fallen on that list. Harry Potter would have, but what it had me thinking about is a few months ago, and you, know, you guys might remember it, um, I revisited a book that I found in middle school that changed my fucking life. It was a Robert Cormier book, um, After the First Death. And that book is definitely not meant for middle schoolers. That is a like high school level fucked up book. It's about these terrorists who take over a school bus. There's a lot of sexual imagery between the female driver of the bus and one of the terrorists. It's a very cloudy plot, you know, for a kid to undertake. And I read that and I was like, well, you know, on the surface, it makes sense. You know, you don't want maybe middle school Brett to find the Robert Cormier book. But if I couldn't handle it and I'm the kind of kid that reads, like you'd also cut me off of some of the greatest classics of all time. You know, fucking Romeo and Juliet's about teenage suicide. They give you that one in freshman high school year. <laughs> Macbeth, which, you know, I hate Shakespeare, but Macbeth probably saved me, you know, as a kid, my senior year of high school, because Miss Wolf gave that to our class strictly because I refused to read Romeo and Juliet a second goddamn time. So we read Macbeth, which is all about homicides. Yeah. You know, you can't do The Great Gatsby. You can't do any of the books that are on my shelf here. You can't go visit the Stephen Kings as a kid without parental agreement like if your kid's gonna read it's not like passively catching a porn movie on the tv or you know coming across an album where they're talking about fucking hookers you know yeah and like reading page by page (laughs) 
I, I could understand, I guess, like something that's straight up pornographic, because there are... Yeah, erotica like, books, I get. Like, yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, let's be real, it's just basically a pornographic book for old even, ladies. Even that one. Well, I'm just and saying, what, it, Do you need parental advisement at 16 to read Fifty well, Shades of Grey? I'm getting there. Um, and, like, pornographic movies and stuff like that, I could definitely get, like, not wanting, um, you know, young kids, obviously, being inadvertently exposed to that kind of stuff without... At the very least, their parents, like, acknowledge again and being like, I'm responsible for this, whatever, you know, like, because adults can take their kids to R-rated movies, um, (coughs) but... They should definitely quit taking their babies to them. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Um, but I, I do think that is kind of a dangerous line to draw for sure, because I... So... All of my childhood was reading at a level... Because they do that whole AR testing thing and give yeah. you, like, score you whenever you do your test. I ate you... so many pizzas because I read so many books. <laughs> and it when had you... positive impact and dietary concerns. Yeah, and when you do, like, your <laughs> testing scores at the end of every school year and stuff like that, they kind of evaluate, like, at what level you are mentally. And I was consistently, all of my life, reading multiple grades above what my actual grade <laughs> was. So... I don't think the physical age of a person is a good indication of the mental maturity of yeah. a person. So yeah, that is and kind of a dangerous read, line to draw. People who read read like from early childhood through adulthood are grappling with things way beyond things in their reading level at a younger age. And maybe your parents are fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> maybe your parents have nothing interest—not your parents, but you know, uh, the kids' parents. Um, Maybe they're fucking stupid. Maybe they're not like reedy people. You know, they don't read Maybe anything. And then, hyper conservative, like, and who's to say yeah. that they should? But what if you, for example, um, were in McMinnville, right? And McMinnville's a rural-ish place in Tennessee. That I grew Can up we in. Say that, yeah. That I grew um, up in. <laughs> yeah. This is why Brett's bringing it up. But let's say that you were 13 years old and capable of understanding To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the most highly contested books in the history of like America. People are like, well, it evokes racism. And it's like, no, it, if you read the book, it's the perfect book for any racist area. Like, your parents are not unintelligible hicks, but there are quite a few unintelligible hicks in that area. If those were your parents, you never would have grasped that concept. You never would have been able to tackle that concept. Like it, I don't know. So much of it is like, fuck it. Let the kid read. He's not seeing anything. The worst case, it's going to create conversation. As long as not, I mean, I wouldn't give him the Unabomber manifesto. <laughs> but I was reading Helter Skelter at 13. It drove the rest of my life, you know. To adult angry Brett. Adult <laughs> angry Brett. But there were graphic photographs in the book of the crime scene. And I had to go to my mom and be like, hey, you know, I don't really understand what's going on here, but I learned a shitload about the court system, a shitload about Charles Manson, about mind control, about um, writing in general, telling a nonfiction story. It was the first one that really, like, grabbed me. And I would have lost that 
Because by any measure, if you're going to put a book there, the one about the Charles Manson murder trial is not the book that you give the 13-year-old who just learned how to whack off. Like, you know? <laughs> Even, like, a lot of the books in general that were popular when we were kids, yeah. like the R.L. Stein series and all that stuff, like, a Gone. lot of those were about death and trauma mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, they weren't sexually explicit books, but they were very much about death and horror heavy, and trauma. Heavy, heavy yeah. issues. So, yeah, that is a kind of a dangerous line to draw. And Even, then the government is creating a book ban committee for our kids, which is just sick. Even the Wizard of Oz book that I own, yeah. I was telling you, there's a, it's a vastly different book from the movie. I mean, you still have the main characters. They're still going to see Oz and all of that stuff happens. But uh, the Tin Man chops an animal's head off in the book. Yeah. And that's considered a children's story. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it would knock a lot of books in general, probably. Yeah. What does fit the list? What is a fifth grader supposed to read? Cat in a Hat? The Too Young? Too Old? <laughs> too Young, for sure, for fifth grade. Really? Yeah. Your Sneetches? <laughs> oh. I mean, I would say that there's books that kids shouldn't read, but those books are not written at the kid's reading level. So if the kid is capable of understanding some shit that goes down, like if the kid reads The Stand by Stephen King and he's able to grasp his head around the story, then he's on the level of reading The Stand. Like he's made it through over a thousand pages of Stephen King's narration. He's good. He didn't sit down for an hour and a half and watch Pet Cemetery on accident on AMC. You know? <laughs> it is interesting. And that does always, um, our podcast is listed as explicit. Um, yeah. And most of the time it definitely is without question. I mean, I, uh, I, Brett I, maintains... I threatened Cormac McCarthy with a blowjob, so... Brett maintains our explicit rating for yeah. us uh, pretty much every episode, but that does kind of beg the question. I always wonder um, at what point are you kind of pushing too far, and especially since I do work in film, um, there is an established rating system. It's like, well, what can I get away with before we're at this rating? And kind of as a joke, mostly, um, when we did the dolls, I put a... A warning at the yeah. beginning of the dolls saying... Uh, because we had protests in the college classroom. <laughs> yeah, because our, our movie got protested before we ever even started production. Read the um, script and they said, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of as a joke, because it made me laugh, uh, I put um, like a warning, mature mm -hmm. content, you know, be advised, basically. And um, I've put it again in the Christmas short film, because yeah. it almost... It, like. Uh, the guys that did the review for our, uh, movie, the dolls on that podcast were kind of like, oh, like you should have gone all in more, especially if you were going to put the warning on there. And I was just kind of like, it's kind of a joke. I didn't put that on there to be you serious. You did not read the initial script. <laughs> the the yeah, initial true. script opens with a man masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> true. The initial script was significantly more hardcore, but, um, like I said, I didn't put that on there because I was like, oh, like legit be advised. It was just kind of like, <laughs> like <laughs> adult content. <laughs> But no, I don't, I, I would never want my kid to, like, find a story and then me have to go, no, you can't give that a shot, you know, like, it, it's madness. 
I think there are probably, depending on what it is, like some... I mean, erotica books, I get. Where it's like, dude, I'm not paying $15 for this, you know, jerk-off book. Like, if you want to jerk off, you can jerk off. But, like, I'm not teaching you how to do it. Like, <laughs> But even, like... As far as violence levels and stuff, I think there are probably some. See, no, because then that no, gets dodgy. Just, no, I'm just don't, saying. Don't, no. What about violence in film? We've been talking about Joker all night. Let me finish. I, I do think that there are some concepts that become, at some point, a little too graphic and a little too adult for very young children. Like, I, I think once you're kind of crossing into those teenage years, you're mentally usually a more complex person, a little more capable yeah. of understanding that. But I think. If I had an eight-year-old that came to me and was like, yeah, I want to watch this really bloody, violent movie, I'd be like, ooh. No, movies are different. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking strictly of the story from Zuri. <laughs> Films are different. Films need a rating because they are passive material. It takes you an hour. Do I? Violent books out there, too, though. Uh, yeah, I own most of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to commit to reading. Like... If it sickens you and it twists your stomach and you put it down, you don't have to pick it back up again. The amount of violence that happens in Saul would take three chapters, you know, to unfold like that opening shot to create the proper amount of tension. But you can watch Saul on AMC. But it, yeah. Okay, yeah. But still, I'm just saying, yeah. I, I think there are still some themes that are probably too mature for young yeah, children. Yeah, young children would not understand them. <laughs> I hand a kid, no country for old men. The movie's worse for him. Because <laughs> he's not going to be able to grapple the concept. He won't be able to get past the fact that there's no quotation marks. He'll be so fucked up. Who the fuck is talking? Yeah. I have no idea. Hand a kid a video of Fight Club or the like, book Fight Club. Okay, but even like, because um, you're actually talking about like works you respect. Like... Let's take this a different direction. Okay. Like, um, J.R.L. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. The kid has to read that no. versus watch the film, which <laughs> takes longer. It's not a violent book series. It's all about war. They don't like like literally describe, I stabbed him and he gushed blood or whatever. <laughs> it's not like that kind of a violent. Um, but like, okay, like. He spends a shit time. Stop interrupting time me. <laughs> talking about their houses in the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> like something like Fifty Shades of Grey or Twilight yeah. or something like that along those lines it is a very sexualized book series on both ends Fifty Shades of Grey obviously way more excre- way more extreme um, that is irresponsible in its promotion of unhealthy relationships as well so like if is I it? had I, I would say it is yeah I've never seen it or watched it I've never it looks read... like a dom sub you know consensual relationship Okay, to be fair, I haven't watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I also have not read Fifty Shades of Grey. I have read some of the Twilight books, and I have watched, I think, all of the Twilight movies. And I would definitely argue that Twilight's irresponsible in its portrayal of teen relationships. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. I've only seen the first Twilight. I've never seen any of the Fifty Shades (laughs) stuffs. Well, I haven't seen them either, to be fair, but I have read a lot of reviews on it just out of curiosity um, when the issue kind of got brought up that... It was an unhealthy portrayal, and it it does seem like from reviews and stuff like that, it's not entirely like her agreeing so much yeah. as just going along because he's domineering. Yeah. yeah, and like with 
Twilight, for instance, it's very much a relationship about a guy that stalks her and she falls in love with him. And it, it is kind of that Stockholm Syndrome-esque mm-hmm. portrayal of a relationship. And then and he's she... like 900 years old and she's still 17. <laughs> <laughs> and then she ends up kind of whenever he leaves, like briefly falling yeah. for her other friend. And he's also just as possessive and controlling. And they both treat her like she's a child and they make her decisions for yeah. her. And she ends up marrying the dude and getting pregnant and nearly dying and all this crazy shit. And, like, there's no actual sex. Um, well, there there's a sex scene in the movie, but it's a very PG sex mm. scene. Um, but it is this very irresponsible portrayal of what relationships at a teenage level are like. And I would be... Yeah. I would argue that giving a book like that to an, you know, a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or 12-year-old who... Could definitely easily read through that book because let's be honest, it's not an intelligent book. It's not book. complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an intelligent series. They could easily read through that and understand the concept of the book. It's oh, werewolves and vampires and this chick that falls in love and gets married and lives happily ever after mm-hmm. and completely miss the abuse that's in there and romanticize that. So I, I think there are levels where I'd be like, oh, maybe you're too young. I mean, there, to... there are levels where, yeah, no, I would not want my kid to read either one of those series ever in their entire lives. <laughs> I would probably beat them with the book if they ever brought it home. But who's buying the book for that 10-year-old? I'm just saying, though, if your 10-year-old saw that at the store and was like, oh, everybody's talking about this. I yeah. want to read this. I'd be like, ooh, maybe I mean, not. I, not that one. No, not that's, that one. that's not it. You're still a little young. I mean, there are boundaries as parents that I, I would have you know for sure you've got to establish which i'm not saying that's uh my parents established none of them with me and i turned into a creative genius but you do whatever you want with your kid i'm not saying that that's uh, um, the place for and uh, not government whatever sending a librarian to jail yeah for that's a absurd year like over I, I giving a kid a book i don't think there's a level of necessity at a censorship level for stuff like that. But I, I would definitely argue there are themes that are beyond certain mental like ages to really grasp. And yeah. I, as a parent would be like, Ooh, maybe not. not <laughs> Let's not do that one. <laughs> so I, I think structurally in just a societal level of what you think is responsible as a parent gauging your own kind of internal rating mm-hmm. system is definitely a positive but yeah i don't think there's necessarily a need for a censorship of it would you ban joker like from my kid watching it what age would you be comfortable i don't think outside of um spoiler alert <laughs> uh outside of the scene where he shoots the guy in the head um, that it's a very graphic movie. I think it's kind of an interesting betrayal of um, the descent into someone kind of losing grip with reality. It's I, the most beautiful thing we've done with mental illness in yeah. this country in decades. And I, I think <laughs> it got, I haven't read a ton about it, but I have read a little bit. I think it got a bit of flack for people saying that it um, almost romanticized mental illness and sympathized Mm -hmm. with him too much and i would argue definitely not um i i don't think anything about his life appeared glamorous and like the very final scene at the tail end is kind of funny yeah and like he kind of you know he's running around the hallway and getting chased around but in my opinion that's the movie kind of poking fun of itself and he's kind of becoming the actual joker like to me that wasn't like 
oh, look, he's clever and fun and having a good time. It's like, no, he's lost his mind, and this is the movie just kind of poking fun for a minute. Because yeah. he becomes the literal villain, the Joker. So no, I don't... he's disobeying authority because he knows he can. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think that um, outside of that one scene that's honestly a particularly graphic film, like, I think it is a very interesting character study. So One of the best headshots of all time. <laughs> Paused it and rewatched it, like, three times. But. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think, um, like, maybe if my kid was, like, six or seven or something, I'd do the whole parent thing where it's like, cover your eyes for yeah. that one scene. But, you know, like, I don't think it's a particularly... Um, violent or graphic film, honestly. I'd, I'd, I'd be comfortable with like 13, 15, you know, where we could have a conversation about the film. Because I got The Godfather crazy young. And yeah. the first time I watched it, my mom covered my head for the horse head scene. And then I was allowed to watch the rest of the film, baptism and all. She just didn't want me to see a decapitated horse. <laughs> and then, you know... I. I feel like we just hit our stride and we have to cut the episode. Well, we're going to probably do an actual deep dive into the Joker. We, anyway. we are definitely doing a but deep dive into the Joker. but I, I do, like I said, I will be devil's advocate. I do think that an internalized societal rating system for the people that you're responsible for raising into healthy, mature, well-adjusted mm-hmm. adults. It involves them reading books that make them question things. No, for sure. For <laughs> sure. But some, some of those things, unfortunately, come at an appropriate age level. Yeah. I don't think that that's necessarily anybody else's place to tell me when my kid is ready because I know my kid better than anybody else. You know, I know mm-hmm. when my kid is mature and responsible better than anybody else yeah especially the goddamn government (laughs) but you can find us over at facebook and you can disagree with us and you can down like our pictures at (laughs) facebook.com slash nightmare you go over to twitter there and you can tell us why we're so awesome for having all these awesome opinions at at nightmare box pro well you take a picture of you making a sad face and a happy face you can do that over at at nightmare box productions or you can go on over to youtube.com slash kristen pennington and you will see the dolls amongst all of her other brilliant works or you can go to the website uh also we have a youtube for the production company now which is where the short films will be going um and that'll be youtube.com slash nightmare box productions or you can go to the website uh, the Nightmare Box Talk And you can see the dolls right up in the top right-hand corner. Eventually, I'll start selling you guys my book again. Um, <laughs> but until then, go to Amazon, eBay, uh, fucking whatever your Barnes major bookstore There's not actually, I Googled it. Like, if you literally Google Brett It's Bloom, on, like, seven different things. It's yeah. on more than that. Like, if you Google Brett Bloom, The Madman Diaries, it's sold at a lot of vendors. Yeah, and it sells so. a lot of books. So, join the club. Um It'll be awesome. You'll enjoy it. You'll go, man, this is too small, and then it'll make you cry immediately, and you'll thank me, and I'll get an extra $5. Mm. Brett will write another book. And so. I, well, I'm writing so many <laughs> things right now. I'm about to blow your guys' fucking mind. But did we miss any? No. You ready to go eat some spaghetti? I am. I love you. I love you more than that. I love you most of that. I love you, I love you even more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday. (laughs) Did I get it in time? Yeah, don't scratch the nutsack.